Something to note, all myths and legends have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Japanese stories and traditions. Our tellings may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Between Tagamagahara, the plain of heaven, and Yomi no Kuni, the world of darkness, sits Ashihara no Nakatsukuni, the earth. It is touched by the light of Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, but she was never its ruler. Her father, Izanagi, granted the central realm to her brother, Susano, the lord of storms, and Susano had reserved the earth for his own descendants. Amaterasu knew that the earth was not hers, but she still felt strangely responsible for it. Perhaps it was her brother's tempestuous nature. Susano had already brought so much chaos to the universe. He had even goaded Amaterasu into doing the unthinkable, turning her face and leaving the world in darkness for a time. She was sorry for that now, sorry for all the suffering caused by their feud, and perhaps that was why she felt responsible for the kami of the central realm. It hurt to watch their endless toil, buffeted by Susano's violent winds, and she felt that she must do something to right her past wrongs. She had to intervene. There was one problem. Amaterasu did not wish to usurp the will of her father, who had ordered the world just so. Yet she hoped that Izanagi might trust her again. Father, I know my place. I should never have challenged Susano, nor should I have turned my face and left the world below in darkness. I was meant to be the steady one, the shining sun that comes after my brother's reign. But I sense another sort of darkness is approaching. There are so many beautiful creatures down below, and their only crime was being born into chaos. Susano will not protect them. Is it not just and right that we, that I, intervene to help where he will not? Father? Didn't you hear me? But Izanagi was silent. Amaterasu knew that she should not have expected a response. Her father was an ancient spirit, beyond even her understanding, and would only speak when it was most necessary. Still, she couldn't help but feel that his silence was personal. Will you not answer me? Then I must interpret your silence as permission to enact justice as I see fit. Whatever would I do without your guidance? So Amaterasu watched that small spot of land occupied by the children of her little brother, waiting patiently for something to go wrong. When that day came, she would descend to the world her brother abandoned and cleanse it with her radiant light. And she was right, in a way. Before long, the central realm would be plunged into chaos and darkness once more. 
and it would cost Amaterasa more than she could have ever imagined. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we continue our journey through the Kojiki, Japan's oldest sacred Shinto text. Its author, the poet Ono Yasumaro, blended creation stories, local legends, and the history of the Japanese royal family to create a narrative that traced the lineage of the imperial Yamato family, all the way back to the ruler of the universe, the Sun Kami Amaterasu. We've already covered several stories from the first book of the Kojiki. In the first couple, we learned how the gods Izanami and Izanagi shaped the earth and created the many spirits that reside on it. In Amaterasu, we witnessed the destructive feud between their two strongest children. And in Okuninushi, we saw how a descendant of the storm god Susano grew from a humble porter to a wily hero and trickster. By the time today's story starts, he was used to defending his land against mortal challengers, but no amount of experience or cleverness could prepare him for what was brewing, a war with heaven itself. But first, we find Okuninushi at very dangerous work. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The land of Izumo was vast and untamed, washed with raw potential. Rice grew wild in its marshes. Its forests grew so tall and so dark that to enter them was to become submerged. Okuninushi ruled this grand kingdom, but he did not know how to manage or maintain its spoils. While he should have been preoccupied with his royal duties, he paid more attention to his ever-growing household. He focused on what delighted his family, holding festivals and feasts in his new palace, which he'd constructed from the reeds that grew in Izumo, the land of billowing clouds. 
His offspring now numbered near 200, and his palace was a safe and happy home. But not everyone was satisfied. His wife, Suseri Bime, wasn't pleased. And when the daughter of Susano was unhappy, others' unhappiness was sure to follow. This house is very loud, my love. <laughs> it is filled with joy, my queen. Yours, perhaps, but not mine. For you are not available to me. Each island holds another bride for you, another child. I only have you. Would you have it otherwise? No, my love. I would only like some peace and quiet, a moment alone with you. I'll admit I worry for your sons. They have been cooped up so long. I fear they will soon start to compete with each other. You remember how it was with your brothers. Perhaps you're right. They deserve estates of their own. I will make it so. Thank you, my beloved. And you'll hurry home. Swift as a kingfisher, my lady bold. Okunanushi traveled through to the turbulent sea. It was beautiful in its wildness. Suseri Bime herself had taught him to value such danger and darkness. He did not want to cover this chaotic majesty with the thin reeds he'd used to build his palace, but he could not deny his family. Okunanushi stood on the shore, his toes in the sea. He closed his eyes and envisioned the smallest seed between his closed palms. He rolled it softly between his hands, willing it to grow. He felt the tendrils slip between his palm and push downwards. They grew thicker, firmer, as they crawled from his hands to the sea below. Something began to rumble underneath his feet. When Okuninushi opened his eyes, he saw large green stalks rising from the ground. Neat rows of freshly grown reeds rose from under his feet. He stepped back to watch them grow. They couldn't have stretched more than five feet, but they were his own creation. Sweat formed on his brow. His throat was dry. His hands were now wrinkled where they'd been smooth only a moment ago. If making such a small patch of reeds did this to him, how would he make a whole peninsula? He sighed, giving the reed a little thwack in frustration. <laughs> Who's there? Show yourself. Are all you land kami so unimaginative? I do not hide. It is you who are looking. I am right in front of you. Okuninushi studied the area in front of him. He felt a splash of water on his arm. More droplets plopped against his forehead. He wiped them away furiously. The laugh echoed in his ears as the water in front of him began to rise. <laughs> It wasn't quite the shape of a person, but he could make out legs and arms in the fluid form, though he suspected it was only offering such human-like trappings to make him comfortable. Why do you seek me? Oh, I seek anyone, really. I have a rather unique problem for a water spirit. 
And you seem to have a unique problem as well. What makes you think I have a problem? It is obvious. Unless you meant to make your read so small. Well, no, but... I wish to escape the endless massive siege to which I am bound so I may be honored on my own. If I assist in your efforts, will you build me a shrine? Okuninushi looked at the small patch of reeds. It was a start, but he would need to replicate it a hundred times to give his family what they wanted. That pitiful stretch of land had stolen something from him. He felt older, more tired. Continuing this task on his own would take years. His children would grow old and resentful. He feared already that some of them were growing too much like his brothers in their wildness. The possibility presented a very real danger, and the water spirit's shrine was but a small favor. That is all? Yes. Build it inland, if you please. So I won't have to wait for settlers. Okuninushi could see no downside. He held his hand out to signal a binding agreement with the spirit. The swirling mass of water suddenly developed long, spindly fingers. They reached out towards him, but instead of gripping his hand, they closed, vice-like, on his forearm. Then the water began to squeeze. Okuninushi felt a strange tickling throughout his body. Something wet was being pulled from his skin. <laughs> Okuninushi stumbled backward, breaking his bond with the hand. Water sprayed all around them. He heard that deep rumble of laughter and wanted to draw his sword again, but he was too weak to reach it. <laughs> I am taking only what I need. Rest, you'll see. Okuninushi could not have fought back if he wanted to. His body hit the wall of reeds he'd built for himself, and wet darkness swallowed him up. The cool sensation of slowly flowing water woke him. His hair was plastered against his forehead. His body was coated in sweat. He felt weak. When his eyes finally cleared of seawater, he was sure he had been transported. Before him lay a landscape he'd never seen. His cluster of reeds had expanded into soft earth and rocks as far as the eye could see. He looked around for the spirit that had given it to him and was stunned to find a version of himself made out of water. It is done. Thank you. I shall begin construction on your shrine immediately. Thank you. I would like it on me Morodoyama, please. Mount Mighty Sanctum? That's a three days ride from here. Do land kami not keep their word, Okuninushi? I can change it all back. No, no, it's just... why so far away? Oh, no reason at all. And with that, the water kami turned to mist and disappeared. Okuninushi stood at the borders of his new land for a long time. He should have been happy. His family was provided for. In many ways, he'd worked a miracle. 
And yet a strange feeling ran underneath that errant hope, not unlike the slippery spirit he'd just sworn to help. What, he wondered, was the water Kami running from? Coming up next, Okuninushi gets new neighbors and Amaterasu notices. The internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loey, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. High above the swirling gray clouds, Ama Nohoki, the second son of Amaterasu, stood on a bridge that allowed him a glimpse of the earthly central realm. He watched as the water spirit took the reeds that Okuninushi had cultivated and spread them across Izumo's seas. What had been a small kingdom became a bustling system of roots and vines. With the water spirit's help, Okuninushi had just doubled the size of Izumo. The central realm was growing, and what it was growing into, Ama no Hoki did not know. He spared one more glance at the burgeoning land before turning away from the bridge and making his way into his mother's courtyard. Majestic 40-foot trees stood like sentinels at the edges of the chamber, filling the air with the scent of pine. A whale-sized koi fish swam lazily in the air, while a smaller pond housed its children. In the dead center of the back wall stood a throne of golden bamboo, and upon it sat Amaterasu, the shining sun queen of heaven. Ama no Hoki knelt before her. Most esteemed ruler, I have news that can't wait. Okuninushi's kingdom grows. I'm glad to hear it. Hopefully he can bring more of that world to order. 
I worry his strange little wife will undo his work as soon as he does it. She's the only daughter Susano ever loved. There has to be a reason. Lady Suseri is a good envoy for her father. You always defend her, Amanohoki. I can never understand why. She's been very helpful in my dealings with him, Mother. She is crafty, yes, but... A whistling through the air cut their conversation short. The clouds began to rumble, and a mighty gush of seawater spilled into the throne room. What started as a trickle soon became a deluge, threatening to swallow them all. The members of the court cried out in fear as the waves bore down on them, but Amaterasu did not blink. She stepped forward, her arms outstretched. The water crashed against her hand as if it was the face of a cliff. With nowhere to go, it flowed back out the way it came, cascading through the land of clouds and back down to earth. Only when the flood receded did Amaterasu drop her hand. Amanohoki doubted the other kami had noticed, but his mother seemed ever so slightly shaken. Her large koi fish slid across the surface of the floor. She bent down to console it before gently lifting it into the air again so it could return to swimming. What was that? Well, if I had to guess, I would think it is the water spirit helping Okuninushi. Amaterasu rose slowly. She waded through the room and out into the rest of her celestial kingdom. Amanohoki followed at a respectful distance. It was rare for her to move this quickly, and that fact alone filled him with a peculiar dread. As they approached the floating bridge of heaven, Amanohoki noticed that another kami was already standing on the bridge between earth and sky. He was leaning over the edge, expression so focused that Amanohoki almost feared he'd go over. Amano Oshio Mimi, my eldest son. I see Okuninushi's machinations have disturbed your rest. What gave that away? His robes were plastered to his body. It was rare for Amano Hoki to see his brother in any state of disarray. He found a little satisfaction in that fact. I had to see what had caused such a fuss. I don't think you'll be happy with the answer. Oshihomimi stepped away from the edge so that Amaterasu and Amanohoki could take a glance. He now understood why his brother had been looking so intently. The land below had been almost entirely shrouded by gray mist. The swirling fog was thick as thunderclouds. Amanohoki leaned in. He felt his mother grab the back of his robes protectively, but didn't protest. In truth, he was glad to have someone to catch him if needed, because he'd never seen anything like this. Amanohoki had witnessed the formation of landmasses before. He'd seen primordial plants give way to new life and watched magnificent creatures crawl out of the sea. Life in the central realm morphed slowly from one phase to the next. It was a beautiful process. But there was no beauty or order in the tortured world he saw below him. 
opposing species had sprung up alongside each other. Seven-foot-tall snow monkeys screamed from the tops of bamboo trees. Sea eagles swooped between the boughs, narrowly avoiding a collision with the snow monkeys as they stumbled through the mist. Emaciated tanuki scurried across the ground, their grasping hands shaking each tree they passed. Another splash of water curled up from the sea, splattering Amanohoki's sandals. He turned his eyes towards the ocean. What had once been a vast mirror of pristine blue was now an ever-shifting mosaic of broken glass. Fins of sharks and panicked whales cut through the water, but they were not the ones causing the turbulence. Along the shoreline, the fog broke to reveal two snow crabs tussling with each other. They each measured over 30 feet across. Their massive claws pushed the water upwards towards the sky as they ripped into each other, toppling into the waves only to rear up again. The animals have not yet figured out their places. At this rate, most of them will kill each other and destroy all the vegetation. The survivors will be left to starve. Where is Okuninushi? Amanohoki snuck a glance at his mother. She was peeking over his shoulder, tears pricking her eyes. For they both knew, they all knew that heaven was not allowed to interfere in Earth's affairs. I don't see him. Perhaps he's in the forest. You're looking in the wrong place. He's in his palace with his children. What is he doing? He is pretending to die at his youngest son's hands. Now he is pretending to be a tanuki. He's playing. While his kingdom, his newly created kingdom, is in disarray? Amanohoki could feel the nature of his mother's change in light. The brilliant Sun Queen of Heaven was no longer the warmth of a spring morning. She was high noon on a mountain now, sharp and white like a knife. He had only seen her like this once before, when she'd cast Skuyomi, the Lord of Night, from her realm. But he suspected that Amaterasu was presently remembering an entirely different darkness, one that had far more to do with Susano. Amanohoki had only been a newborn when it happened. Susano had ransacked, defiled, and nearly destroyed both Earth and his mother's realm after she beat him in a contest. One of her attendants was killed, and Amaterasu had hidden in a cave, plunging all the realms into shadow. He's just like Susano. It's all a joke to him. Oshihomimi, my eldest son. Okuninushi must be removed from power. You shall sit on his throne. Mother, is this really the best way? The man has 180 children, practically a private army, and I have no talent for battle. Battle? Why should there be one? Okuninushi will step aside unless he is more of a fool than I think. Fool or not, he has ruled Izumo for some time. We should be prepared in case he is less than accommodating. Perhaps you are right. I would not want to send Oshio Mimi in without properly considering the risks. We will call the council to the tranquil stream to select an envoy. Not the council. Omoikane. Is our wisest kami. There is no one better to make the decision. What decision? He will deliberate and pontificate and gesticulate for hours on end. 
and then he will choose me. It's always me. Talking to grandfather or the primordials, me. The land of roots, me. Remember that time he had me seek out grandmother? I'm lucky I escaped with my life. Oshio Mimi, would you give us a moment? Yes, Majesty. My son, I can see what you're thinking. Why do I keep sending you into battle and not your brothers? It had crossed my mind. You are all important to me, my little rice ears. But some of us are more suited to danger than others. But it's not even our affair! Everything is our affair. This is our duty. This is our charge. This is the order that was made, and you can no more change it than you can change the setting sun. Amano Hoki had never spoken to his mother like this. He was so filled with horror at the suffering and chaos down below that he felt his sense of duty leaving him. But then his mother looked at him. Her light was soft, as if obscured by invisible clouds. He could tell that she was hurting just as he was, just as those creatures were hurting down below. I spoke out of turn, Majesty. I apologize. He may not choose you. But after much deliberation, much pontification, and many gesticulations, Omoi Kane chose Ama no Hoki. Once again, Ama no Hoki found himself on the floating bridge of heaven, studying the horror down below. The fog stilled for the slightest moment, a mockery of the smooth sea it had once been. He lifted his foot over the gray gyre, wondering what it would be like to die. Then he stepped off into the unknown. Next, Amanohoki touches down on Earth and comes face to face with its new monarch. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to the story. Amano Hoki's hand rested on the hilt of his sword as he entered the reed palace of Okuninushi. He would have been excited to explore this realm if not for the murderous beasts tossing seas and their idol king. He did not know what to expect from Okuninushi. The so-called great landmaster had tricked Susano himself to establish his reign over Izumo. He was wilier than the average human. Amano Hoki was sure of that. But his mother, Amaterasu, was trusting him with this mission. Yes, she seemed to have been reacting more to old wounds than new, but she was correct that he was the best kami for the job, a professional envoy exploring a new world. He was an accomplished warrior, too, if it came to that. But it shouldn't have to. 
Okuninushi merely had to acknowledge the will of heaven, assist in its efforts, and cede all his power. If he did that, no blood would need to be shed. Easy. Amanohoki was shaken from his thoughts when a small child ran by him at high speed, followed by four more children and a very harried-looking kami woman made of shadow. The child in the lead screeched and giggled, transforming into a seabird as he fled from his siblings. Amanohoki didn't know what to think. He had seen young Kami before, of course, but never something like this. It was truly chaos. He was horrified to discover he found it charming in its own way. Welcome, my lord. Another woman was standing in the shoji doorway. Her eyes were dark and shining, and her skin had the slightest green glow. Amanohoki removed his hand from his weapon, feeling caught. Lady Suseri, I have not seen you since... Since I was married. How are you, little rice ears? It has been so long. I am well. Your father Susano still tells tales of you, though you've left the land of roots. Is your husband home? Straight to business, then. Is this about that racket to the west? The chaos in the peninsula, yes. Those creatures are so very loud. I'm sure he'll appreciate your help. Did I say I was offering help, Lady Bold? You are a good man, Rice Ears. My husband is a good man as well, but he is mortal. Doubly so. He will ask you for help and you will give it. I expect nothing less from a child of the Queen of Heaven. I have promised nothing. The Queen of Heaven never does. You forget your place. You forget where you are. Ah, I see we have a visitor. Amanohoki was shocked by the arrival of Okuninushi. The Lord of Izumo looked different up close, more tired, but warmer too, or at least he seemed to be. Two children were clinging to him, one on each leg. Why, you... you're shining. May I ask where you come from? Well, I was sent... He comes from heaven, my love. My cousin, Amanohoki, is here to help us deal with the creatures. That is half correct. I'm only here to observe on behalf of Amateresa. <laughs> That's noble of her. Suseri, my most beautiful bird. Will you let me speak to Amanohoki alone? Perhaps a ride through the rice paddies? If the Lord insists. And so the two kami were left alone, moving through the flooded fields of rice. Amanohoki felt the weight of his sword by his side, but he willed himself to relax. If the rumors that Okuninushi had taken Susano's sacred sword were true, it did not matter how quick Amanohoki drew or how surprised Okuninushi was. The Lord of Chaos's blade always struck true. Still, he might have to try. I must apologize if Suseri was beyond her bounds. She is a force of nature. Always has been. I much prefer her to her father. But I imagine that comes as no surprise. <laughs> I respectfully agree. Have you really come here to observe? I have come here to convince you to bring order to this world. Oh, I've tried. 
but the creatures don't listen to me. Not long enough for it to matter, I should say. It's baffling. I used to be very good with animals. Amano Hoki's heart sank. So Okuninushi had tried. Or did he only want them to think he'd tried? At this point, Amano Hoki would take negotiating with Susano over Okuninushi. At least with Susano, you knew not to trust him. Suddenly, Amano Hoki realized the mist was closing in. Where are we going? To the peninsula, of course. I want to show you what I meant about trying to control them. Amano Hoki stared at Okuninushi, trying to discern whether these earth kami had somehow learned to read minds. But Okuninushi only shrugged and gave a tired smile. Suseri said I would need to prove you can trust me. Though I'm not sure I was supposed to tell you that was the goal. <laughs> oh well. Amano Hoki didn't respond. He wasn't sure if he should interpret Okuninushi's admission as a sign of honesty or trickery. If he declined this demonstration, would Okuninushi draw his sword? Had the great landmaster set a trap for him? He didn't know the answer, so he was forced to continue forward. I keep telling myself that they'll find their way, you know? The animals, the sea, that's the thing about Earth. Everything is always changing moving towards its own balance. I suppose it's a form of order. It's not clean, but nothing here is. Or perhaps it's the work of Amaterasu, since she blesses us with her light and warmth. Is it impolite to ask? No, it's fine. It's just, this is not her realm. She respects the rules. Amano Hoki found himself staring intently into the mist. His mother was defined by the rules. She loved them, and yet she'd broken them in sending him down. And if she'd disobeyed her own father's decree, then he could make his own decisions too. I think I'd like to see this balance. Especially if it meant something would change. For Amano Hoki was realizing that the order of the central realm was not the order of heaven. To impose one on the other seemed cruel. It will take a fair amount of time to observe the balance. I understand. I would be honored if you would stay with me as a guest. You should know that my mother does not share your point of view about what is happening on the earth. I'm not surprised. Her mind is set, and when her mind is set... <laughs> I am intimately familiar with your family's strong moods, yes. When we ran from Susano's hall, there was an earthquake and a tsunami of insects, and that was him being happy for us. But Okuninushi's mind was not on Susano at that moment. He thought back to the water spirit that had sparked this chaos. The kami had not given him a name, nor had he asked for one. There was something unknowable about the spirit. He was a kami of a different sort, one even Okuninushi could not reason with, let alone trick. Okuninushi wondered if there were kami even stronger than Amaterasu and Susano, forces that could move like people, but were something else entirely. He wondered if such kami waited in the fog among the frightened creatures, unseen but lurking. But Amano Hoki roused him from his musings. Can we turn back? 
If you stay? No, I don't think we can. I meant, can we head back to your palace now? I think I've seen enough of this fog. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. So Amano Hoki and Okuninushi turned their horses back towards the rice paddies, away from the fog and the roars, the pain and the sea. The chaos stood at their backs, waiting and raging. And then it began to slowly follow behind. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Find out what happens when a simple land disagreement boils over into a celestial war. For more information on Okuninushi, Amaterasu, Amanohoki, and all the other kami, amongst the many sources we used, we found Gustav Held's translation of the Kojiki to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Lil DeRitter and Jennifer Riche, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Eddie Lee, Kai Jordan, Kim Lin Tran, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson.